No justice! No justice! Get out of the car with your hands up! I call for the police to stop killing. Come towards us! Do not go towards that door. How many times will a black person have to choke out the words, I can't breathe? Demands for racial justice as the deaths of unarmed black and Hispanic Americans by police reach the consciousness and the conscience of a nation. Say their names, a chant made popular so that we won't forget George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Michael Brown, and others. But there are other names not so well known, nonviolent people whose deaths at the hands of police deserve to have their stories told too. I'm Bob Garcia Buckaloo. I've been a journalist for four decades, many of those years reporting on our justice system in Texas. This podcast series tells the story of unarmed people who were of no apparent threat, whose deaths occurred after a confrontation with police. For them and for their families, justice has been slow to come, or not at all. We call this podcast Still No Justice, a collaboration between KVUE-TV in Austin, and Vault Studios. We're going to go back in time, not very far, only back to April 24th of 2020. That was a Friday afternoon. In Austin, Texas, it was the time of year when the heat of the early summer begins to edge out the cooler springtime weather. And it had been pretty warm that day, and right around 6 p.m. on that Friday, someone places a call to the 911 emergency center. Austin 911, do you need police, fire, or EMS? The voice of the caller you're about to hear has been deliberately distorted, not by us, but by the police who made this recording available to us. Austin 911, do you need police, fire, or EMS? Police. Okay, to what address or location? 2601 South Pleasant Valley. I'm sorry, you said 2601 South Pleasant Valley? Yeah. Okay, hold on just one moment, please. Okay, at the Rosemont at Oak Valley Apartments. Yeah, I'm in the Rosemont Apartments. It's a, it's a, it's a gold and black Prius outside. Okay, what color and type of vehicle is it? Uh, it's a gold Prius. It's a gold Prius with a Hispanic man and a Hispanic woman. They got toilet paper in the front. Toilet paper in the front dash window. And I'm seeing him with a gun. He had a gun too. He said a gold and black Prius? Yes, and he has a gun. He has a gun to this lady. You see him holding one to her? Yes, I see him holding a gun, ma'am. Is he doing that right now? Yes. Okay, I'm going to stop it right there and point out that it was later revealed that the man in the gold Prius did not have a gun. That's an important point, despite what the caller said about the gun. Is he pointing it at her? He's, he's, he's holding it up. He's holding it up? Or is he pointing it at her? He was pointing it at her, but he got, he got, ma'am. I don't know what's going on. Okay, I do. Like I said, have officers already in route right now. To recap the call, the caller says there's a man in a parked car at an apartment complex. We later learn the man in the car is 42-year-old Mike Ramos. And the caller says Ramos is holding a woman at gunpoint and doing drugs. So the cops show up. And so when the police arrived... Uh, they pulled into that parking lot of the apartment complex. 
and pretty much surrounded his car. That's Bryce Newberry. He's a reporter for Austin TV station KVUE, and he covered that news story that afternoon. His car was backed into the parking space in the apartment complex, kind of facing out as if he could drive away. And so when the police pulled in, uh, they really did surround him and started shouting commands at him. This is what it sounded like. This is what Mike Ramos heard that afternoon. This audio comes from a police body cam video, and Ramos has stepped out of his car and stands near the open driver's side door. His hands are in the air and clearly visible. Police are pointing their weapons at him. We've condensed the verbal exchange you're about to hear to remove the spaces when words were inaudible or nothing was being said. Here goes. Michael Ramos, step out of the car with your hands up. Step out of the car with your hands up. Step out of the car, walk out, walk out, walk out towards me. Come, keep coming, keep coming, stop right there, stop right there. I want you to lift up your shirt, lift up your shirt from your shoulders, turn around, slowly turn around in a circle, slowly turn around in a circle, keep going, keep going, keep going, stop. Stop. Walk towards me. Michael Ramos, you're going to get impacted if you don't listen. Walk towards me. I can't explain it right now, Michael, but you need to turn around. Leave your hands up. Michael. Yeah. In the distance, you can hear Mike Ramos talking back to the police. He says he hasn't done anything wrong and seems surprised that so much firepower has been pointed at him. Ramos refuses to come toward police and remains standing beside his car. Several minutes into the standoff, a shot is heard. A police officer has fired what's called a beanbag round and it hits Ramos. Now, that's a projectile filled with lead pellets, and it's extremely painful when it hits. People who've been struck by one say that the beanbag round feels like they've been hit with a bullet. Reporter Bryce Newberry. That seems to have shocked him. His mother told me that from watching the video, she could just tell how scared he was in that moment. But uh, once the less lethal round hit him is when he got back into the car, now, this is the turning point in the body cam video and in the life of Mike Ramos, because rather than continue the standoff or surrender, he gets back inside his car, starts the engine, and pulls away from the parking spot as his girlfriend jumps out of the car. In the video, he appears to be driving away from police. Within a few seconds after pulling out of the parking spot, Austin police officer Chris Taylor fires his weapon. Mike Ramos has been fatally shot. There are so many questions about how things might have gone differently that afternoon. Why did someone call 911 and say that Ramos was holding a woman at gunpoint, 
Remember, when it was all over, police never found a gun in or near his car. Police have yet to make public the name of the mysterious caller who insisted that Ramos had a gun. And it's likely that the false report of the gun caused police to be on heightened alert when they showed up with their guns drawn and pointed at Ramos. Another question, when confronted by the police, why didn't Ramos comply with their request to move away from his car and surrender? Possibly because, as Ramos said, he wasn't doing anything wrong. Why did police fire that painful beanbag round as he stood near his car? The shot clearly agitated Ramos and may have been behind his decision to get back inside his car and try to drive away. And as he drove away, why did a police officer open fire, killing him? The official Austin police report of the incident says, and I quote, Fearing the male subject, meaning Ramos, fearing the male subject intended to use the Toyota Prius as a deadly weapon, one patrol officer fired his patrol rifle, striking the male driver. Now that report seems to imply that Ramos drove his car toward police, but a startling video has emerged that shows the same incident from a different perspective. It was recorded by someone who lives in the apartment complex. You can hear the crowd that had gathered make comments as the ordeal unfolds. Oh my gosh! What y'all shoot for? Hey! Why y'all shoot them? They shoot the fool! They shoot them! That's wrong! That video shows that police had blocked the only entrance and exit into and out of the parking lot and reveals that as Ramos drives away, he goes the opposite direction from where the police are, toward a dead end in the parking lot that was blocked by garbage dumpsters. It does not appear in the brief cell phone video that Ramos was driving toward the officers. Courtney Scott was among the bystanders who witnessed the incident. You can see things on the news, but when you actually see something and you know what happened and it was wrong, and he didn't have no weapon, he wasn't no harm or no threat to nobody, and they just straight shot that man, I've never seen nothing like that. It was surreal. We reached out several times to interview the attorneys for the officer who fired the fatal shots, but they declined to be interviewed for this podcast. They were quoted in the Texas Tribune, though, saying that based on their perceptions of the officer's reactions, Law enforcement was, quote, in fear that Ramos' vehicle was going to put them in danger. Lawyers for Ramos' mother say the video clearly shows the shooting was not justified. Attorney Rebecca Weber. I would challenge the attorney for Officer Taylor to find any policing expert or police trainer in this country who would say that it is okay and justified to shoot someone driving away from you. That is not the standard for killing people. You do not get a death sentence because you were trying to drive away from the police. That's not how we do it. Weber says the family wants justice for Ramos' death. And the number one thing that she wants is for Officer Taylor to no longer be an Austin police officer, to no longer have the ability to kill people on, a, you know, in an unjustified way on the streets of Austin and it is very hard for her to understand how he is not only still employed, but he hasn't even been charged with the death of her son. No justice! No justice! Move it up, move it up, move it up! The death of Mike Ramos drew protests to the streets of Austin in the days that followed the incident. 
At one of the events, Ramos' mother Brenda addressed those who had gathered to show their support for the family. I call for the police to stop killing. I need your voices. Some days I do not feel strong enough to carry on. I need your help. We must get justice for Mike. There should be a new law to when, where this happens, that this should be, they should be suspended and prosecuted and put away for murder. But as the months dragged on since the shooting, the officer has remained on restricted duty and on the police department payroll. Austin Police Chief Brian Manley has promised a thorough investigation, but one that is being led by another law enforcement agency. We brought in the Texas Rangers so that we could give our community the confidence that we were conducting that fair and impartial and objective review of this case. Our special investigations unit is capable of doing that. They do that in all officer-involved shootings. So this in no way is an indication that they did not have the ability, but we recognize the importance of the community having trust in us and in our investigation of this case. We work with the Texas Rangers regularly in other investigations, and so it was the right thing to do to bring them into this one. It's been said that the wheels of justice turn slowly and in the case of Mike Ramos, they have come to a virtual stop. The matter has not gone to a grand jury, and there's no indication when the investigation of Austin's police force by the Texas Rangers will be completed and made public. For Courtney Scott, one of the neighbors who witnessed the incident, the shooting of Mike Ramos had a profound impact on him. My kids was out there, and it's wrong for a kid to see something like that, you know what I mean? It was different ways they could have went about that. And it disturbs me, it disturbs my family. My older daughter, she was out there. And when she sees the police, she always tell me, slow down, daddy or the police will shoot you. It's overwhelming. I want my children to have a, a positive relationship with law enforcement and know that they are initially here to protect you. It shouldn't be something scary. But till we change our hearts and the way we treat others, the discrimination and prejudice, it, no, you can't make nothing better. And so, as the Ramos family and the community wait to learn more about what happened on that warm April afternoon, Brenda Ramos' memories of her son linger. I still think he's here sometimes, because I catch myself looking out the window. He's coming. And I have to tell myself he's not here. And I miss him. <sighs> It hurts, and it's going to hurt for a long time. Still No Justice, a production of KVUE-TV in Austin in collaboration with Vault Studios. Our thanks to Ana Ramirez and the Austin Statesman newspaper for some of the audio interviews we heard in this podcast. Sarah Bryant is executive producer for this series with the assistance of producer Joe Ellis. I'm Bob Garcia-Buckaloo.